Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff-side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Max Barrett. And I'm Ahmed Bindra. And we are lucky enough to once again be joined today by Jim Klein with Acrobat Marketing Solutions, who helps professionals and attorneys with marketing and business development. For once, we did not go into a long bio last time because we wanted Jim to speak for himself. So we do encourage everybody to go back and check out that episode from when it originally ran as Jim Jim gives a good rundown of the services he provides and how he's able to add value and help attorneys. Jim, welcome back. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. So today is going to be our typical second episode with folks where we spend a little bit more time talking about you personally. So let's jump into it. Last time we talked about your marketing work, how you help attorneys, how you help coach them to improve their business development skills, but we want to hear about your career. So you went from the big city to the other big city to back to this big city. You went from Chicago to New York to Chicago. How did that all happen? I I was in grad school at Northwestern University, getting a master's degree in advertising and marketing. And I was out looking for a job in an ad agency. And so I kind of scoured Chicago and I scoured New York. And a New York agency came to visit and invited me to New York for a day of interviews along with seven of my colleagues. So even though they were friends, we were competing against one another. The good news is everything worked out well for everybody. But I got an offer, you know, it's the old godfather thing. I got an offer I couldn't refuse. I was I was made an offer to become an assistant account executive at Gray Advertising, which is now owned by Publicis, which many people know. It was the 10th largest agency in the country doing consumer goods marketing with, with wonderful products that, that we all see and have used for years and years. And so I went there. And it was a spectacular experience. As I look back, there were a few mentors I probably never should have left. But after a couple of years in midtown Manhattan, which my wife and I loved, we decided maybe it was time to leave the city and move to the suburbs. And what occurred to us is if we're going to move to the suburbs in New York, we could move to the suburbs in Chicago and come home so that our unborn children could have grandparents. So was it a mistake? Probably did it too early. You know, did it work out? It worked out. I came back with an agency in Chicago and I stayed there for three and a half years, had an incredible experience, but I railed against the system because it was very difficult to get meaningful raises and, uh, you know, getting an extra five or 6% each year, I suppose is fine, but it didn't satisfy me. And I decided I wanted to be more entrepreneurial and not be tied to a specific salary. <clears throat> I was, I was introduced to a company privately held on the northwest side of Chicago that developed and outsourced packaging and display, point-of-sale displays. Um, For example, we were the creators of the McDonald's French Fry Cart. We did work for lots of companies that everybody's heard of and some pretty interesting ones. And I decided I would try it for a year. It was a little bit different. I had to go out on the street and make cold calls. I didn't know anybody. I had no knowledge of, of what the industry was like. But it was entrepreneurial and there was an ability to earn more money on a fairly rapid basis. And I decided I'll give myself 12 months. So I did. I was scared. Fear is a great motivator. I think we know that. I went out on the street. I probably made lots of mistakes. But within 90 days, I was earning more money than I was before. And after a year, I was locked in. And unfortunately, I I was successful through my business there. I never had a passion for it. And I was aware of that. So I had to get my gratification, if you will, from 
outside activities, communal activities. But I did it and I stayed there 12 and a half years. I became their number one guy. In a year, specific year toward the end, I generated as much profit as most sales guys did in total revenue. And that's when that's when it hit the fan because I worked for somebody who decided to bite the hand that fed him and decided that he could throw me inside, pay me a third of what I was earning and everything would be good. After a cocktail party, a car, a trip to Las Vegas, you know the story. I eventually went out on my own. I had a non-compete. I started selling printing in addition to what I was doing. I built a little company and I still had no passion for it, but it was an awful lot of fun being in business for myself. And I had a pretty good staff. And finally, about 18 to 20 years ago, I would say, I really burned out. I know we've talked about burnout before. I had had it. And as I was looking, and business was fine, but as I was looking around for things to do, one of my kids introduced me to a sales trainer, and I hated sales trainers. I mean, I, I hadn't met very many that were worth their salt, you know, and, and if either of you have brothers-in-law or fathers or fathers-in-law, they're sales trainers, my apologies. But, but anyway, I, I met an absolute guru somebody that I really believed in. And I went to work with him as director of sales and marketing. And I was going around the company, bringing in large clients, people like Cushman and Wakefield, CBS, BDO. I mean, it's a long time ago, so I can talk about them. But my, my, my hero and my guru decided he wanted to spend more time chasing after real estate deals than doing what we were doing. So I, I left him. I contracted myself out to a small sales coaching for a few years. And ultimately, about 11 years ago, what I determined is that even though it was later in my career, that I had to go out and I had to work with people and law firms and other professional firms my way as opposed to the other way. We, I, what I believed was, was partially what I was being asked to sell, if you will, or teach. But there was lots more. It's not just sales training. It's not just sales coaching, marketing, strategy, message, proof of concept. There's so many things. Creativity as opposed to just learning a sales process, which you know is part of it, certainly. So I went out on my own. And what I found is by the second day, I started getting traction. I started getting clients. And that was 11 years ago, and I really haven't looked back since. And I recognize that we have very, very worthy competitors. There's somebody for everybody out there. I just felt that I had to do what I really believed. That's awesome. This is why I love these second episodes, which I call as <laughs> like the origin stories for a second. I mean, I'm going to watch too many Marvel movies. Yeah, I just watched Thor, Love and Thunder. Great movie. Highly recommend it. That's not an origin story, really. Let's back up for a second. You talked about how your ad work was a spectacular experience, both in New York and back in Chicago. What did you learn from doing ad work? Here's what I learned. I learned how to work on a team. I learned how to work long hours, certainly. But, But what I learned is, I think, how to think and how to think strategically. Because here I was, a young young kid, if you will, you know, newly minted master's degree, dealing with some of the people that were responsible for some of the, the best national advertising and marketing, by the way, that, that was ever out there. So I learned from them. I, I learned different types of strategies to use. I learned how to deal with clients because our clients weren't always easy. You know, you, you learned how to talk up to some and, you know, talk equally to others. So I think that's what it did. My experience in Chicago was a little bit different because I was assigned to an account that was a three different divisions of a company that needed to come together and they were entering a market that they had never been in before. And as a result, what we ended up, our team, which was two of us, eventually four of us, was going into this multi-million, million-dollar business with offices and plants on two coasts in the Midwest and basically developing not only their marketing plan, but their business plan. We were doing price analysis, cost analysis, production uh, formulations 
going out and selling, if you will. So some of that, you know, I mean, ultimately, it just it, it becomes a, a totality of an experience where you can talk to other people in business and, and understand what they're talking about and being able to contribute. So do you think it, it was that experience that allowed you to be then the number one salesperson at your next stop? Or was it something different that got you there? I think that when I went into that business, both vendors and potential clients viewed me as different because of my background. Most of the people I was competing against, most of the sales guys did not have that kind of a background. So I think there was an advantage there. I think the fact that I had a lot of business experience in terms of manufacturing facilities and dealing with brokers and things like that, supermarkets certainly helped because they knew that I understood it and I spoke their language. But I still think that that what helped me the most, other than the the, the fear factor, you know, and the desire to succeed and the fact that the, the field was wide open relative to to what earnings potential was, is it was, was the ability to, to think strategically and know how to help clients not just fulfill their orders or create, you know, develop their products, but also in terms of other things that we could bring to them. So we've talked with other guests about strategic thinking, and some have said it was they learned how to do that by playing chess or playing mm-hmm. poker. How do you think you got that skill set? Well, I, I, I think I developed the skill set. Well, first, I had some good mentors, right, which is, is always advantageous. But secondly, I think it was, you know, out of, out of need. You know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And all of a sudden, there's a huge marketplace out there that I know very little about. I didn't know that many people. I didn't have a broad network at that point. <clears throat> and I kind of stepped my way through it. And, and I think upon reflection, because I have had a long career, it, it was just a matter of kind of learning along the way and eventually being able to process it and make it my own. I took all the marketing courses. I mean, we, we did that. You know, we used to do the computer modeling and competitions and in, in, in stuff like that. But eventually, you just you kind of pick it up and become confident enough to know that you have some success and that you can build upon it. Oh, and so the other thing you mentioned, too, which I, I think attorneys are not great about this, but you developed this kind of early on, is how to speak the right language. How did you get there? Was that just like being an account manager and the ad work you were doing, trial by error? Did you always just have that skill? That's an interesting question. I mean, if, if I want to provide you with a little bit of levity, I would tell you that you know you learn to fake it till you make it, right? And I wouldn't be the first person to say that. I, I think part of it has been my personality. I think some of it's been perseverance. And I think the other is learning along the way. My original quote-unquote sales training guru was was so good at this. I've never heard anybody speak like that. And I just I just listened to him and I was able to pick it up. You know, how do you how how can you ask for a piece of business the first time you meet somebody? I'm not suggesting we do it. We do it sometimes. I'm not suggesting we do it all the time. How do you develop affinity? How do you develop all those kinds of things? And I think a lot of it is by asking the right questions and listening and then trying to to mold yourself as long as you're authentic and transparent to what their needs are. And plus, in fact, I do think it's helpful if you genuinely like people and love to learn what they do and, and where their victories are and where their aches and pains are. Probably doesn't work too well if you just have the same cookie cutter advice and it's just sort of, you know. Well, that's, that's an interesting point because this may have been more relevant in our first session than this one, but there is a sales process out there. I find parts of it very good and I find parts of it abhorrent. But the fact is, is that, you know, you can't just take steps one through eight and be successful. There's got to be some meat around it. 
and I think part of it is is how you talk to people, right? If that answers your question, Emmett. And so the thing I'm finding interesting too is you were incredibly successful throughout your career, but for a large chunk of it, you hadn't found your passion. Correct. It's like, it's like a two part question, actually. Shame on me. <laughs> well, part of, but that's so that's the thing is how were you able to find success without that passion? A and then B. How did you know what your passion was when you, you know, now it seems like you love what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. I'm I'm passionate about it. I'm enthusiastic about it. And frankly, as long as I can remain relevant, I want to continue to do what I do. And I assume the street will tell me someday if I'm not. I left my passion in terms of, of marketing originally because I just found that I wasn't a big company guy. Pardon me for saying it that way. Um, when I got locked in with, with golden handcuffs into the packaging and display and merchandising business, I did not have a passion for it, but it certainly created a wonderful way to be able to live a life away from the office. And there were parts of it that I enjoyed. I love the ability to do creative design. I love the ability to develop a new client, right? And then deliver the way we said we would, but there were just parts of it I wasn't suited for. So during that period of time, one, I recognized it, and two, I found other outlets in terms of either community boards uh, I served as president of a couple of organizations. My passion is contemporary art. I've been involved in the arts community for years and years in terms of most of the museums around the city, or many of them anyway, and did it. And eventually, when I made my move and I became independent 11 years ago again, I've never been happier. I know that sounds like, you know, boy, the guy's a fool, but I really am. The reason I get up you know, at 5 o'clock every morning and generally put my work suit on and go downtown, COVID aside, is because I have a firm belief that any professional that wants to improve or develop business or get better, whatever you want to call it, have goals and meet them, can do it as long as they want to. And I'm happy to be there to help. That's, that's what gives me my gratification today, seeing people be successful. Well, was it mentally, like walk us through the mental process of having golden handcuffs, being super successful in your job and deciding, you know what, I'm going to take a big jump and do something else and open up my own shop and do what I actually want to do. Well, I, 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 I could still be there today had they not decided that, you know, they were going to handcuff me in terms of what my earnings and benefits would. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good motivator. I became, without going into great detail, I just, I became upset at a variety of situations and decided, you know, the next thing that I found, which happened to be a little business that I bought that was in the black that I could afford, I was going to do it because at least he gave me a vehicle out and I did have a non-compete for a period of time. But, you know, you just... You do it. I, I'm probably not the only person who in his career has made a mistake or two. You know? I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, actually. I should have asked this earlier. Who's your favorite artist? Wow. Two of my favorite artists who you may not know. One is called, his, his name is Christian Boltansky. The other is Richard Moss, M-O-S-S-E. But probably my two favorite dead painters, if you will. And, and the first two guys are not painters. Is, is, is a man by the name of Richard Diebenkorn who was a West Coast artist, he was a lion, and another one of the abstract expressionists by the name of Robert Motherwell. And if, if, if you look him up, it's fascinating. And I'm actually happy to talk to anybody about that stuff anytime they want as well. But uh, we've collected for a lot of years and we've learned and we've, we've made a good life from it. So uh, I guess having set up your own business now, having done it for a decade and seeming to have found your, your, your personal niche where you're doing well enough for yourself, but you're actually enjoying the work now. Is there any advice if you could go back 
which we obviously cannot, but if you sure. could go back and do it again or, or send a message to your 10 to 11 years ago younger self, what would that be? Well, that, that's a very thoughtful question to ask. I, 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 think that, I think that I got there because of a negative, because I wasn't happy what I was doing and being asked to do. And, and as a result, my thought process may be different than what most was. Had I had more time, had it been earlier in my career, I would have worked harder to develop a small organization. But what I found, I found I, I had a hard time finding other people that could replicate what I believe in. So I probably would have done that. I would have done a bit more planning. I congratulate myself on the fact that I knew I love professional services, which is about 80% of our business. The other 20 is our op operating companies. And, and just, just probably tried to be a little bit more bold in terms of the way we put ourselves out there. The, the problem, as many of you know, with an individual business is that, you know, it, it's time, it's capacity that you have. And, and almost from the day we started, we were kind of full up and, you know, it was really kind of gratifying. But what it did is it put on the, on the side burner, if not the back burner, some of the additional growth things. So I think, Max, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it's really entirely dependent upon how much runway you have in front of you. If it was 15 or 20 years ago, I may have done it, done it differently, but this is what happened and it's all been good. Well, and it's hard, right? Because that's sort of an age, like that's not unique to you. And I, I mean that as a compliment. I think it's a good problem you had, but it is also the same problem a lot of the folks in our bar have, which is how do you time spent setting up systems? I mean, it's something our firm is grappling with right now as we grow, right? Like time spent setting up systems, time spent setting right. up infrastructure, <laughs> you know, when you're early on, and it's like all you really want to do is be out there prospecting and, and, and servicing the clients you have and, and expanding that base. And it's like at some point you do need to spend some time setting up infrastructure, making sure right. things don't slip through the cracks and that you have repeatable systems in place. The irony being if you can spend some front end time on that, you're going to allow yourself to do more of the things you want to do. But finding that balance, I mean, you said, I don't remember which of the two shows we've recorded today that you said it on, but balance is not, it's a great concept in theory and practice. That's not simple. It's not simple. You know, in terms of setting up systems and infrastructures and things like that, I, without knowing specifically what you're referring to, here's what I would say. If it's something that's not in your wheelhouse, find somebody who can do it. Right. And that's an investment. I learned that a long time ago. I was very good at sales and marketing and lousy at production administration. And I used to perseverate over it. And all of a sudden what occurred to me, and I would tell any attorney out there anyway, go to your strengths, spend your time on your strengths. If you need to hire somebody to come in to do some of these things, great. If not, I think it's a matter of, it's, you know, you, you set a goal and you realize you, you can't do it all in one day. So prioritize them. Do one thing at a time. The good news is, is a firm like yours, Max, and, and Amit, with, with, with yours and many others that may be listening to this, is you've got, some, you've got some time to do it relative to the runway that's ahead of you. You know, my mom used to tell me Rome wasn't built in a day. I didn't, until I got into business, I didn't understand what she was talking about. <laughs> that's how I think about business development, too, in relationships. The two other challenges you had to face as a new business is, is if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you opened up about 11, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you're dealing with two different major crises, the mm -hmm. end financial crisis and then COVID. Yep. How did that impact everything for you? <laughs> the simple answer is, is you just keep trying and you don't give up because there are people that understand that they can't hide behind either of them and that business still goes on. 
Here's what I learned a long, long time ago. Somebody told me, let's pretend, I hate to say pretend because it may be true. Let's pretend we're in a recession. That doesn't mean there's no business out there. That means there's 10% less business out there or 12% less business out there. It also means that new business may be more difficult to find. So go out and do it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and ultimately, as, as things begin to strengthen, it'll happen. No, I didn't choose either of these periods of time any more than any of the rest of you did. But it's what reality is. And you just, just keep talking. And the good thing is, is that a lot of the people you talk to today that may not need you or may be in the throes of post-COVID or whatever, they're going to need you in three years or five years or six years. And that really helps build an incredible pipeline. Now, I, I, I got a call a year ago from somebody that I met 10 years ago. All of a sudden, they hire me. We're ready. Okay, I'm still here. And Rome's not built in a day. I, I almost think those calls are some of the best you get is when it's somebody where it's off the beaten sure path or it's a speaking engagement you did that you just never expected yep. to see anything from or it was a weird fit or you're like, why am I? You know what I mean? Like those are the ones where it's like, oh, it really counts or people actually do listen or like I'm doing something right that that much time has passed right. or that far off the beaten path has still yielded results. And, and that's a victory too. You know, your credibility is critical. Somebody remembers you, somebody remembers what you said. I think, you know, that may not be in the, in the pantheon of business development rules, but they all contribute. So I want to take Max's question a little bit further and go back kind of to the start of your career. And you had mentioned too, you, you left New York maybe a year or two early. Would you do it the same way again? Would you stick around for another year or two or are you happy with how everything? No, no I'm happy with how everything worked out. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm like any other human being. I've made some career errors. Fortunately, not too many large ones. I absolutely would have stayed around longer. And, then, and as I look back, because some of the people that were mentors of mine or potential really great mentors, because they were older, thankfully, aren't around anymore. But as I look back, I think I didn't appreciate the potential of mentorship that was there. And the fact is, I should have waited a couple of more years. I mean, you know, the, at that point, the pay was fine. Life was good. We were just anxious to start a family. And we thought that, you know, if we stayed in New York and we moved out to Westchester County or somewhere like that, we'd probably never come back. But, you know, you, you do what you do and you adapt. Right. And I think and I think. And this is now we're getting very philosophical, but I think those experiences make you who you are, right? Like I agree with that. You, maybe you do that stuff and you don't, like you said, you don't end up leaving New York. You just one more year or two more years just leaves you a little bit too comfortable to make the change. You know, you just get too ensconced. Well, it, it is who you are. And, you know, you can't tell. It's like I tell my clients, tomorrow you leave your office and you turn left and you turn right. Two different things may happen, right? Seriously, though, you go on with your career. Right. Is every move the best move? In some cases, I guess it is. In some cases, it isn't. You know, each of us has to live with ourselves and we have to do what we believe. That's all. And you go on and, you know, there, there, there's a variety of definitions of success. When right now you have a job that gets you up at five in the morning to come downtown and meet with people. And that's just awesome. Well, yeah. Maybe not the 5 a.m. part, but. <laughs> no, I don't care about that. And I really enjoy it. I do have some concerns sometimes walking the streets, but or going into the garages, but we do what we do. Jim, you've been very generous with your time on a Sunday morning with us, and we want to be respectful of that. Before we go, you've done it once already. Is there anything you'd like to shout out this week that's positive in your professional life, your personal life? I will share people tend to make these personal, but it can be professional. It's entirely up to you. Sorry to steal your thunder on it. 
Oh, no, no worries. Right. No, I, if anybody listened to the first one, I, I talked about certain attributes, I think, that are really key. Just in terms of shout outs, and maybe this is a reverse shout out, and I know timing here is critical. We have lots of friends in Highland that were at the parade on Monday. We, we, we know some awful stories. We know a couple of good stories as well. I'm not going to be political here by any stretch, but what happened there is tragic. You know, Highland Park will now be mentioned with Sandy Hook and Columbine and, and everything else. I don't think any of this is going to forget it during our lifetimes. And I just, my shout out is my, my hopes and prayers that the people find civility and that we find ways to control these kinds of things. They happen all over the country all the time. It's not a matter of I'm on the right or the left or in the center. It doesn't matter. It's all about humanity. So I'd say my shout out is, is I, we all have a job to do and let's just go out and do it and hope to hell that we make it through without finding a bullet that ricochets and hurts any of us. Sorry. No, <laughs> no. Okay. It's, it's, an unfor- it's an unfortunate but a true reality that I think we all live nowadays that sadly I, I think has sort of become geography agnostic. Um, yeah, it's, it's become so. the norm. And I mean, this is partially why we do the shadows. There's so much going on in the world right now that's just not great. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. So you're right. I mean, it's going to be something that's on our minds it's going to be in a laundry list of other cities that have had the same thing happen. And every July 4th, it's going to be waning on us. Exactly. But, <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but to, to circle back to the reason for you being here, Jim, you've shared some really useful experiences and I, I hope you had some fun. We've certainly enjoyed hearing your story. It's one of the benefits Amit and I get as we get to learn more about our friends and, and guests. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for both episodes giving us all this knowledge and our listeners have taken away something useful. What I really hope is that our listeners also, if they are hearing something useful that they like and want to learn more, that they reach out to you. Jim, remind everybody how okay. they go about doing that. And I will share with them before he does that. This is all going to go in the show notes. So if you're driving, please don't run into some. It'll be in the show notes and you can always access it that way. So go ahead, well, Jim. All right. So first, let me thank both of you. You know, I, I, I know you both. I've known you for a few years. You do a great job and I am ever so appreciative of that. It's Jim Klein, Acrobat Marketing. The website is acrobatmarketing.com. Uh, my direct number is 312-615-6920. And the email is jklein, J-K-L-E-I-N at acrobatmarketing.com. So always happy to talk to anybody that just wants to have a conversation. Thank you both. Well, thank you again to Jim. Thank you. Um, thank, thank, you for, uh, thank you for making time on a Sunday morning. You do not normally have to be up early, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks to everybody at home for listening. Please subscribe and share, and please reach out to Jim. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host's opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.